And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. He is risen. Indeed. Are you guys surviving? Tom and Diane, how are you? All your drama? Just checking. You all right? Good. Everybody good today? Had coffee? All right. Glad to hear it. We're destined to win. If you are um, visiting with us, we're delighted that you're here. I uh, hope something of value might uh, sink into your spirit as you join us this morning. Uh, those of us who are regulars at Harmony, uh, we've been in a series, and I, I have to come clean about something. Easter, what is Easter about? The Easter bunny and eggs. No, everybody knows it's about the resurrection of Jesus, right? And we're used to hearing and reading text. In fact, uh, Mike, good choices today on some of those passages. In the morning, uh, on the Sabbath, people came looking for the body of Jesus. And what was the response? He is not here. He is not here. He is risen. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? And he is, in fact, alive. But I decided this morning that we would read from an obscure Easter text. Is that okay? Doesn't matter because I already made the decision and you're all here. And I'm asking the ushers to lock the doors so you can't get out. I said, well, pull it shut. No, don't. Don't really. So if you have a Bible and you want to read along so you know I'm not making this up, take it out. And if not, there's a, a one of the black-covered book in the chairs in front of you. You can borrow one of those. In fact, I should mention this. If you're a guest and you don't own a Bible, you can take one of those home with you. We have them there on purpose for people who have never maybe owned their own or had a chance to read through the Word of God. It is, in fact, the Word of God. It's available for you. Take it home with you if you don't have one, okay? Be our guest. Hebrews, the second chapter. We've been in a series in Hebrews, and it just so happened there's an Easter Sunday text in here. There really is. And it's in chapter 2, starting in verse 9. We don't see humanity in a very good place. That's the context, but it does say this. We do see him who was made a little lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death. That's what this weekend is about, right? Good Friday, everybody knows the suffering of Jesus. Almost everybody, even if they don't go to church, have seen some sort of drama or film by Mel Gibson or uh, maybe a processional at one of the local churches reenacting the sacrificial death of Jesus. So we know about that. The death, because of the suffering and death, we now see him crowned with glory and honor so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. Let's pray together. Lord, a day like this, uh, unfortunately, more than other days, we, we set it apart and recognize and remind ourselves that Jesus died for our sins and he rose again. And many, many people acknowledge that fact, but don't necessarily understand that it applies for them. 
that there is something Jesus did for them because he loves them, because he loves every person sitting in this room and every person living, breathing on the planet. As noble as they may be, as corrupt as they may be, he desired to intercede on our behalf and rescue us from ourselves. And we're grateful that the whole plan that God had in mind bore fruit and it was proven, the seal of approval, if you will, is this thing we call the resurrection of Jesus, the fact that he's alive, the fact that all of human history has turned on that event. The way we count time, the way we follow history of civilization, there is a significant invasion into our history of the human race, tracing back to one unique person who entered the world because he was the God-man. Not that he died, but that he rose from the dead. And that actually, every week when Christians gather, they're celebrating the resurrection, the first day of the week that he rose from the dead. And it was because of that resurrection that the early saints were fearless They were willing to lay their lives down because they knew they had a Savior who not only was raised from the dead for himself, but for everyone who put their trust in him. So it was a life-transforming, history-changing moment that man and history and media and all kinds of people have tried to bury, ignore, or discount. Lord, we want to just give you a few minutes of attention today and not forget what you did on our behalf. And what an amazing thing it is to have a God that seeks to communicate with his fallen creatures, wants to bring us to restoration. And we ask that we would hear from him today. Help us, O God, in the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. So if you notice my uh, title here, Destined to win has an asterisk. Everybody in this church knows what an asterisk means on my title. I stole it. Means it's somebody else's title. And it was a title, for those of you who've been around a while, of a song back in the 80s by a Christian group called Garmo and Key. Anybody remember it? Destined to win. Let me, uh, I know I have the words here. I hate to lose them. That'd be embarrassing on Easter Sunday morning. The pastor lost his notes. Destined to win. We all get discouraged when the pressures of life start weighing us down. We've learned that in his footsteps, in the footsteps of Jesus, in his footsteps, crosses in life must precede the crowns. Crosses in life precede the crowns. Jesus endures the cross. Then he is crowned in glory, as our text says today. There is one who goes before you. I've been singing this in my head all week, by the way. I can't shave. If I burst into song, uh, I won't quit my day job, but I, I might sing. Okay. There is one who goes before you to calm the sea. You sneaky guy. This guy's always doing this to me. There it is. There is one who goes before you to calm the sea. There's a king who leads his people to victory. We are destined to win. We're surrounded by his love, guarded by his power, destined to win, following the Lord until the battle's over. We are destined to win. Isn't that a good song? 
Now, this sounds like the old harmony. Yes, Pastor John, don't do that to me, not on Easter, okay? It's a great song, it really is. But let's talk about this issue of being destined to win. We're looking forward to better things, and there's a reason that something had to intervene so that we could, in fact, win. And uh, we're going to look at a brief history, if you will, starting at the very beginning. So the first verse that I want to put, I'm going to switch up that picture, uh, Ryan, if I could, uh, and go to the first verse in Genesis And by the way, if you are a note taker, some of us are, I know, the notes here, I'm just going to tell you the big fill-in straight up, okay? Can I tell you them right up front? Destined to rule. What's that? What do you say? Yes, Pat, thank you, thank you. That's, I'm loving it. Okay. Destined to rule, that's the first one. Destined to die is the second one. And the last one is destined for resurrection. So let's start with this. At the very beginning in the book of Genesis, uh, we'll put that back up. God said about the human race, let us make man in our image. That's significant. We're like him in certain ways. Not the same as him. Nobody walking around here should be thinking they're God. They need counseling if they think that. But we're able to think like him. We're able to follow in his footsteps as a creative force. All of those things are true. And part of that creative force is making things, doing things, ruling things. And so it says, according to our likeness, let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. This was some of man's destiny was to be creative and to rule. They, we haven't always done a good job. You might have noticed that. Uh, the ecology has suffered at our hands quite a bit, something we were given to steward, but nevertheless, we were made to create. There's some fun things about creating or recreating. Uh, I was talking with a brother just uh, very recently about he and his son working on an automobile that they're recreating, you know, that kind of project. The satisfaction of bringing it from rust bucket to something you'd like to drive around, you know, maybe even show off a little. No, no nobody, nobody relates, okay? Or about a, a big property that needs to be reworked. I remember taking, uh, I saw Glenn is here. Remember Glenn, our first drive up to Lake Champion? Take a look at a project, a place that has been reworked because some people are made to rule. Right, Corey? Yeah, I'm just picking on him because it's fun. Uh, My wife and I had an inside family joke. Looks like she got caught downstairs, but when we were growing up, we were improving the home we had built. We added on to our kitchen, and every time we added something new, we started quoting from the, I think it was the Star Wars series, the second three movies that were really poor. But uh, they were. But uh, Anakin, before he becomes Darth Vader, says, this is how it'll be in my empire. (laughs) And my wife and I, I say to the kids, remember, this is her empire. And it's going to be her way. We're made to rule, right? There's some satisfaction in that, though, isn't there? As we we build things from disrepair into repair. You know the second law of thermodynamics, right? Everything goes from repair to disrepair. Those science people, you get what I'm saying, right? 
Things decay. Leave your yard to itself doesn't look good. Never change the oil on the car. I'll never forget driving to Denver, Colorado in my Chevy Malibu that my father-in-law gave me. I didn't know what it meant to change the oil on the car. It was years. I think when they took the bolt off, it went clunk, clunk, clunk out of the oil pan. You don't take care of it. It decays. But if you can recreate and build and rule over it, it's kind of fun to see something happen positively. But under the watch of humanity, things kind of unraveled. I couldn't help. You know, I am a, I'm a bit of a Star Trek and other fan. You, you never guessed that, I know. But you would have never known. But I know there's others of you out here who are, too. And uh, if you're really a nerd, you go back and watch the beginning shows so you know what the Wrath of Khan was all about. And I think he even figured later on in the new ones. I got a picture from there. Anybody remember him? Oh, yeah. Clap. Nice threads. I wish we dressed like that now. We'd look cool. Remember him? He was made to rule. This guy, he's genetically engineered. Remember that? And he's trouble and... Captain Kirk, for those of you who aren't fans, I'll just fill you in for your edification. This is all spiritual, by the way. Everything I'm saying, it's all spiritual. Captain Kirk exiles him on a planet, and he quotes from Milton, Paradise Lost. How do you think you'll do? He looks at Kirk and he says, are you acquainted with Milton, Captain? Yes, I understand. He sends him down, and then Spock needs to know. What's he talking about? He says... In Milton's Paradise Lost, Satan says better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven. Whoa. I think there's an infection in the human race that goes along with Satan's claim. Better to rule in hell than to have to serve in heaven. Boy, are you wrong. Because serving in heaven is going to be absolutely amazing. And you don't want to miss it. You may think you want to, but you don't. Trust me. So humanity was designed to rule, but because of his corruption, when we fell, everything kind of unraveled. So if you have your Bible open, I did ask you to leave it. Did I ask you to leave it open? Shame on me. You should have left it open. You don't have to, but if you want to follow along, we've been in this section about the glory of Jesus. Remember, a few weeks ago, we talked about angels because the whole thing talks about angels and that Jesus is far above the angels. And he's quoting from Psalms from the Old Testament that come out of this idea of having made humanity to rule over the earth. And when he does, he quotes from these old uh, Psalms in the Old Testament And it says, he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we're speaking. It wasn't about angels ruling over this world. It was the design of God that man would rule over, man and woman, men and woman, humanity would rule over the earth. We can even conquer space if we put our mind to it. We just can't get our truck together. How come? How come? What always goes wrong? What goes wrong with perfect utopian societies that they try to build? People! They're the problem! Have you noticed that? Glad it's never me. No, it's me sometimes too, right? The scripture says in the Old Testament, it's quoted by the book of Hebrews in chapter 2, verse 5. 
You have made him a little, first it says, it wasn't to the angels the world was to be subject, it was to humanity. You have made him for a little while lower than the angels, you have crowned him with glory and honor, and you've appointed him over the work of your hands. Listen to this, verse 8. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But get this, maybe you've noticed, right now, we do not yet see all things subjected to him. How many of you, when you read that, for this is for the, the brothers and sisters who, who are Bible people, you read it. How many of you have read that and thought, that's not about Jesus? It's not. It's talking about humanity. And Jesus is the new man who fulfills what we were supposed to get right. We don't yet see everything subjected to mankind right now. Why? Because we messed up. And we're off track ever since. And God's looking down at this thing and saying, what a mess. How to fix it? That's the question. Do you think he was stumped? No, he's God. But he is wondering, how do we fix this? Listen to some wisdom from the Jewish writers way back. God did not make death, and he does not delight in the death of the living. He created all things that they might exist, that they might prevail, that they might be ruled over, improved, you know, new car, redone, awesome, drive it down the speedway, you know. God created man for incorruption. He made him in the image of his own eternity. Wow, that's a neat statement, isn't it? This is not scripture, by the way. This is wisdom literature from the Jewish people. But I think that's a good statement. God made man, did not, God created man for incorruption and made him in the image of his own eternity, but through the devil's envy, death entered the world. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus, the Son of God, appeared for this very purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. What were the works of the devil? He deceived us, he lied to us, he killed us, and we let it happen. We embraced it, we followed his way, we're walking with, uh, what's his name that I had on the screen there? What was his name? Khan. No, I'd rather rule in hell. Okay, have fun with that. And that's pretty much what has happened. How to fix it. How do, we, how do we fix this? When I was working on my uh, advanced degree at one point, I, was, uh, I had to read a lot of corporate literature. You know, a lot of these uh, guys that were sent in, like Iacocca was sent in to work with the car company and all of that, these places that had started to fall apart. They, the company looks for a fixer. Isn't that a, movie? Isn't that a TV show or something? Fixer? Didn't I hear that somewhere? Anyway, they find somebody who's going to go in and fix what's broken. And sometimes it's painful. In fact, usually it is because you've got to change all these bad habits, all these things that have gotten the company in trouble. Somebody has to go in and fix it. And that brings us to my second point. There was only one person ever on the planet that was brought into the world for the very reason of dying. Not us. We end up dying. But that wasn't the plan. Jesus was the one, the fixer. He was sent into the world. He came in for that very reason because of the need for a savior. The gospel says somebody has to pay up for the brokenness that we've created. 
Somebody has to get it right. That was the destiny of the new man, the second Adam, the only man ever sent into the world for the purpose of dying. When you read about this person a little lower than the angels that is in our text, in fact, if we could, let's put our text back up, uh, the main text. We do see, here's the context I just told you about. Man has not fulfilled his destiny. He's not ruling over all the world. He blew it. It's messed up. We don't see man ruling over everything, but we do see, that's the way that should be read, by the way, but we do see him who has been made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus. We're going to leave this up for a minute, okay? Who was made a little lower than the angels? Lower than the angels? Aren't they? What? Yeah, well, let me unpack it so it's not confusing. Man is the one made a little lower than the angels. What does that mean? The angels are glorious beings. For those of you who are wondering, what is this guy talking about? Two weeks back, we did a whole sermon on angels. So you can go listen to the podcast and see how crazy I really am, because I believe all this. Scripture says it, it's true, and I've had experiences with it. It's like the, the supernatural realm is real, friends. It really is. He's a little lower than the angels. What does that mean? The angels are glorious. They're versatile. Their existence can move from the spiritual realm into the physical realm in a second. You can't do that. You don't believe me? You can't do that. I dare you. Move, well, you can move one way into the spiritual realm in a heartbeat, but don't do that today, all right? My point is, they can go back and forth. They can materialize. It's, uh, Jacob wrestled with an... It was like a human being. What a glorious being they are. And if they show up and show all their glory, you freak out, have to run to the restroom. You know, that's what happens. They're glorious. Mankind was made a little less glorious. Although we're the ones made in the image of God, there's something future that's even better. So now Jesus coming into the world is made the God-man, right? So he also has just stepped down a little lower than... That's what he's talking about. Doesn't mean bad or wrong. He's in this experience as a human being a little lower than that glory. He couldn't go back and forth into the realms yet. Yet, he couldn't, because he limited himself on our behalf to rescue us. So we do see him, Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Let's stop right there. Because of the suffering and death, everybody understands the story of this weekend, right? The struggle, what Jesus went through. How many of you recognize this verse? I know you will. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging, we are healed. Anybody recognize that? Isaiah 53. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. We recognize that because it's Isaiah 53, which is one of the clearest 500-year-old prophecies, such a description of what happened to Jesus. Scourged for our sins, pierced through. Crucifixion was a Roman technique. That came later. How did they know all this? Because it was prophetic. 
God was promising what was going to happen. And so because of the suffering of death, his beating, his scourging, all that he went through, carrying his cross up to Golgotha, all the mocking, the spear in his side, everything that we see in that vivid imagery that some of us, even as Christians, recoil from watching if we see it in video form. All of that was part of the plan of God to rescue us. Why? Because the scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death. Can I park on a little Bible study for a second? Is that all right? Okay, because otherwise I, I have to close in prayer. We'll all go home. It was fitting. Look what it says. He might taste death for everyone, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things. Remember, Jesus, the second person of the triune Godhead, is the creator of all that is. Remember? That's what it tells us in the first chapter. Through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. Now, if this doesn't confuse you, I don't know what would. To perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. What does that mean? Wasn't Jesus perfect? The answer class, yes. What is that word? To perfect him through sufferings. Let me see if I can unpack this. My son, my youngest son, who's not young anymore, that means I'm really old, he's gotten into watching on occasion American Ninja. Anybody ever watch that? You've got to go through all, right? You ever see that? Anyway, American Ninja, they have all these obstacles that these athletes try to get through. And man, some of them are tough. I mean, I'm watching them going, yikes, you know balancing, trying to go from bar to bar, and then they fall in the water, you know, and they lose. And the point is you have to go through the entire course in order to win. If you win, you get sent to Las Vegas. I suppose that's a prize for some people. Sounds like a penalty, if you ask me. But anyhow, you go to Las Vegas. woohoo! Because they have a big one there in Las Vegas, right? So these guys and gals, they work themselves to death to get trained and be able to jump on these web walls and climb up these things and fly across stuff and not fall in the water and not get hurt and not quit before they make it till they press the button. They go, we win. Oh, everybody goes nuts. Yeah, you're, you're all not admitting, you, don't, you watch this every weekend, don't you? You don't want to admit it, because you think I'm going to say it's unspiritual, but it's not. So what's the point? You don't reach the end until you reach the end. That was profound. That was, that was worth coming out for right there. <laughs> and it's going to be true about eternity. You don't reach the end until you reach the end, friends. But here it is. The word perfect, to perfect, let's change it that way. In bringing many sons to glory, it was God's will to perfect Jesus, the author of our salvation. The word means to bring to completion. Through suffering, what did Isaiah say had to happen in order for the Savior to complete the course and press the button? I win. That's what it means. He completed the course. Listen to the rest of Isaiah. I think I put this on the screen. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was a rich man in his death. How did that happen? He's hung between two thieves, right? He dies with two criminals, but he gets buried by a rich, devout Jew in his grave. How could this guy know this, Isaiah, 500 years before the fact? 
Isn't that crystal clear? Yet with a rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth, the Lord was pleased to crush him. That doesn't mean that God was going, oh, isn't this fun? You got it wrong. The Lord was willing to let him go through the whole course to get it done so that our salvation, he tasted death for all of us so that we wouldn't have to pay for it. The Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he would see his offspring. The followers of Jesus are his offspring. He's looking down through the millennia at the followers of Jesus. There's my offspring. In the next chapter, he says, behold the children you've given me. His love and affection set on us. That's why he died. I don't know if you're here today and you've never reckoned with any of this. It's what he did for you. This is not a secret. It wasn't hidden. People avoid it. Just like the subject we're going to talk about when we, we talk about the issue of him going through death and death for us. We avoid it. We don't like to think about it. He would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. The good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hands. He will prolong his days for sure. He's eternal and he's raised from the grave. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, Jesus, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great and will divide him. The word means spoil, by the way. I know it's not a good word anymore. It used to be a good word. He will divide the spoil with the strong. I got in trouble once preaching to college students using that word. I'm sorry, it's just what the version says. It wasn't my fault. He'll divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out himself to death. What is it saying? Yes, he was destined to die, but he wins. He wins. He rose from the grave, paid for our sin, victory over our sin, victory over our doom. We deserve to die all successful. What is sin? People today, we don't talk about sin. Everything's an ism. There's no sin. No. Jesus died to pay for our lying, our lusts, our addictions that we've gotten ourselves into, our greed, our envy, our pride, our thefts, our sexual misconduct, our arrogance, our sloth, our complacency, whatever it is, that's what he's paid for. Have you learned to think in terms like that? Because we're full of those things, you understand. We need to be able to say, I need the blood of Jesus to cleanse that. Because that's where I'm in trouble. Not everything on that list. I'm not talking about me, everything on that list, by the way. Some of you are going, oh, yeah, I knew that about him. Those things are peppered through our lives, right? We all struggle with a different thing. But those things Jesus died to rescue us from. And he fulfilled the role of Redeemer. He got to the finish line. He fixed it. He came in and fixed it, right? And he destroyed the works of the devil. There's an interesting verse. If you still have your Bible open, you might see it a little bit further down in chapter 2. If you're open there, you can look at verse 14. I'm not putting it on the screen. I just want to read it to you. Therefore, since the children, that's us, share in flesh and blood. Anybody here not flesh and blood? Any spirit beings in the room? I'd like to talk with you a little bit now. That was a joke, man. You guys got to get out more. Get more coffee. Anyway, 
the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. Jesus came down a little lower than the angels, just like us. For now, for now, don't miss it. For now, we're a little lower than the angels. Are you with me? For now. He partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. I think about death. I, unfortunately, it's one of these parts of my job that I have to deal with a lot. I have to help people walk through the process of grief if they're a believing family, there's joy and hope that comforts us, but it doesn't break the fact that we grieve and we miss and we're pained. And Death is an enemy, according to the Bible. Man was not made for it. He was made to live. Remember, he was destined to rule. Jesus was the one that was destined to die, but we avoid it even today. Listen, uh, I, I got this out of, uh, I think it's F.F. F. Bruce, a great commentator on, on the book of Hebrews. He says, through fear of death, many men and women will consent to do things nothing else could compel them to do. Is that right? Of course it is. That's why we learn self-defense and try to be careful on the streets and everything else. Some braver souls, it is true, will accept death sooner than dishonor. But for the majority, the fear of death can be a tyrannous instrument of coercion. And death is indeed the king of terrors to those who recognize in it the penalty of sin. But the death of the sanctifier, the brethren of Christ, are sanctified. His death has transformed the meaning of death for them. To them, his death means not judgment anymore, but blessing. Not bondage, but liberation. So when we face death, it's changed for us as believers. We know who we're going to see. But we are living constantly in fear of death. People do. Our culture today doesn't look it square in the face. We try to deny it. We don't, I mean, I, I observe because I, I know this sounds strange, but we're newspaper readers and we scan through the obituaries. And it's amazing how many anymore. We don't want anything. We don't, want to, we don't even want to think about this. We don't want to look at it. We don't want to... Don't, why? That's not looking at it head on. Am I afraid of it? Oh, I'm not afraid of it. No, you're not thinking about it. That's the way to deal with your fear. Just don't even think about it. Because let's be candid. How many of you have learned that you need to start saving because the government probably isn't going to rescue you when you retire? Anybody kind of like get that a little bit? Thank you very much for that raised hand. I see that hand. Your friends will leave. We'll wait on. They'll wait on you. Come forward. <laughs> yes, I gotta watch out for myself a little bit on that one, right? You work at making sure your eternity is settled. Why don't we do that with the spiritual world? I, I just don't want to think about it. Well, you better start because it's coming, most assuredly. You know, the more wrinkles I find in the mirror, the more I'm thinking about when my kids. I do. I don't think I'm morbid at all. I have the joy of the Lord. I had it yesterday anyway. I do. And, uh, but, but I'm saying they're going to have to lay me in the grave. And you're going there too unless Jesus shows up and surprises us and we get transformed at the moment. But there's more to that story. We have to talk about that before we're done. And I'm actually going to let you go early. Don't you love that for Easter? That's a present. That was free. That's from me. 
Steve, are you on target here? All right, Steve. Those of you visiting, we take questions from the floor. I'm just telling you, this is not religion. You know, religion, we don't, oh, we act very pious. You sure you want to ask it in front of everybody? Okay. Oh, I love you, Steve. This is why I love your questions. Yes, I will repeat the question. Who was it, Bob? Bob. Bob. I, I automatically go to movie lines. I got to rein it in, my ADD. That is a great question. Is it wrong to think, why should God have to die for my sins? It is wrong. How unfair. That's why his love is so astounding. Because he went through it anyway. Shouldn't we save ourselves? Yeah. Have at it. (laughs) What do I have to do to win eternal life? I have to live perfectly and never break the law. The wages of sin is death. Simplest explanation I've ever heard is, how many sins do you have to do to be in trouble? You guys went to Sunday school. That's obvious. You have a chain. Anybody ever use a chain for something? If one link breaks, what happens? The chain is done. And that's what happens. That's, but see, that's where we are, and God knows where we are. Face reality, friends. If you haven't yet faced reality, I am a sinner. Everybody said, we knew that about you. That's not what I mean. Say to yourself, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. Well, I like this congregation. I'm a sinner. I'm in trouble left to myself. Jesus was perfect, didn't deserve to die, but took the penalty for me because somebody had to expiate, that is, pay for the fact that God's holiness was offended. And that's not about God being, oh, I'm just so mad at you. That's not what it is. What it is is you broke the rules of the universe. You jump off the edge of the Grand Canyon, guess what happens? been there several times. You don't want to do that because the law of gravity splat. The law, the spiritual principles that run the universe say when you tell God to get out of your life, which we all have, you're pulling the plug on the light, on the lamp, and the lamp light goes out. Is that clear? He's the source of life. He made us to rule. He made us to live. We have separated ourselves. We pulled the plug. Better to rule in hell than serve in heaven. And that's what Jesus came to fix. What a great question. Thank you. Absolutely correct. So there's the rest of my sermon. We can go home now. Now we're going to finish, right? We were fearful, and the devil keeps us from looking at the truth, or he lies to us. Oh, I went to a seance, and my uncle told me how wonderful it was where he is. Don't cash in your chips on that one, because his critters are out there, his demons are out there lying to people and telling them stuff that isn't true. The one who went through death into the grave into eternity and came back is the one you ought to trust. The Lord Jesus, who said, Behold, (laughs) you know, I've got a place prepared for you. Where I am, where I'm going, you can also come. 
He knows what he's talking about. So let's, let's look at the end of this. The last thing is we're destined for resurrection. We're destined to re-rule with him. We're destined to become part of the new humanity. If the fixer hadn't come into the world, we would all be separated from God permanently and we would never rise up to our created image of God job of ruling in the universe. But did you know that God still intends man to rule the universe, not angels? In fact, the Bible says that we, as the saints, are going to judge angels. Are you ready? Have you read the primer? You know, there's a whole bunch of legal documents you've got to read before you can judge angels. That was a joke. But it's, some of it's right here. Some of it's right here. There are little glimpses about that stuff in this book. So here's what it tells us. In the book of John, Jesus is saying to people who didn't believe in him, who were resisting him, as well as his followers. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear shall live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son to have life in himself, and he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is what? Yes, he came a little lower than the angels. That's why he made it to the end of the, uh, what was the name of that show again? He made it to the end of the course, right? The gladiator course. He made it. And so because he was a son, because he became human, he was the fixer. He came in. Because of that, he gave him the authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man, an expression out of the Old Testament as well. Do not marvel at this, he goes on, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tomb shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. When he fixed it, he fixed it. Mankind was destined for eternal life. With God or without him? There's no annihilation. It's one of the heresies of our generation. I'm going to give just a word of sober truth here. Anybody ever heard of C.S. Lewis? C.S. Lewis made a comment in one of his writings... Every human being that you meet and look at is destined to become either an eternal glory or an eternal horror. Resurrection's coming, but there's a way to know that you have the resurrection of life itself. And that is the verse that introduced this passage reads like this. And by the way, this is a great memory verse for believers if you've never memorized it. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is John chapter 5, verse 24. He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has temporary life, a short life, eternal life, and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death into life. Are you getting the gist? Now, this is the words of meek and mild Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus. I mean, people on the street, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, it's those church people I can't take, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, sometimes I get that. I do get that. Anybody else get that? But they think, oh, Jesus is cool. I'm cool with Jesus, as long as I don't have to deal with him much. I'm cool with that. Really? Make a mild Jesus is telling you in this verse, you're already dead. Did you hear what I said? We're already dead. We're already separated from God. 
that's where we are because of the brokenness of humanity and the mess. The one who was supposed to rule over the earth, how he messed it up, we inherit all the fun junk. Anybody ever inherit fun junk? You know what I mean? You know, toxins in your backyard or something because somebody dumped their oil on you or whatever. It is. Get what I'm talking about? So whatever happened back then, all the junk has filtered down to us. Here we are, we're dead in trespasses and sin. But he tells us, he who hears my word believes in the God of heaven who sent me has eternal life. You're not going to be judged if you trust me. You pass from death to what? To life. How do I get into that family? I receive Christ's gift for myself. I welcome him as Lord. Let me show you one more verse that uh, talks about the completing of the redemptive process. God rescues us. He's the fixer. Jesus is the fixer. We are destined for resurrection. Body and soul is rescued. We're not just little wispy spirits floating around for eternity. Jesus is alive in a body, and I'm going to have one like that. And if you belong to him, you're going to have one like that too. Here's what it says. Blessed and holy are the ones who have part in the first resurrection. Jesus just told you about two resurrections, right? I didn't make it up. It's right there. Over these, the second death hath no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will do what? They're going to rule. Isn't that cool? We're going to rule with him for a thousand years. Now, that's symbolic language. It's probably eternity, but even if it's a thousand, I'll take it. We're going to reign with him for a thousand years. Just pause a second. I'm reinforcing this for those of you who may be wondering what these crazy Christian people are all about. There used to be an old expression. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. Jesus said, except a man or woman be born again, they cannot see the kingdom of heaven. We're all born physically. How are we? We're dead. Remember, Jesus just said, you pass out of death into life. You need to pass out of death into life. Are any lights coming on? You have to pass out of death. That, well, what do I have to do? You're already there. You need to come out. You can't save yourself. Be nice if you could. can't. You have to help 800 little old ladies across the street. You have to give to your local food bank till you have nothing left in your bank account and you're still 12 billion miles away from earning it. You have to pass from death to life. So if I get born again, then born twice, I only die once. I'm going to die once. I'm ready for it. I'm not in a hurry. I want to enjoy my grandkids a few more years before I kick. But... I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let me pause for a second. For those of you who love Jesus, if you love him, you want to serve him, and you want to have a wonderful heavenly reward. We're going to reign with him for a thousand years. Later on in the book of Hebrews, this, is a, a, this verse is a source of consternation. Some of the people who were martyred, they're talked about in chapter 11. Remember chapter 11, the, the chapter of faith? says some people refused to be delivered from a terrible martyrdom because they wanted a better resurrection. Figure that one out. You know, you can have a Volvo model. 
Now, we don't know exactly what it means, but what it does mean is there are rewards coming. If you're doing it because you love Jesus, that's great. If you're motivated by self-interest, he'll even bless you for that. In other words, wake up and start serving him. I'm speaking to all the complacent believers who think we're just dandy and haven't borne any fruit in years. God has an opinion about it. There's a great book. Uh, I've mentioned it before. I'm just going to read two portions and we'll be done. The Life God Rewards. This is Bruce Wilkerson, the guy that wrote the uh, prayer of Jabez that everybody misconstrued. Anyway, (laughs) the subtitle, Why Everything You Do Today, Everything You Do Today Matters Forever. Forever. Jonathan Edwards, one of my favorite divines, he says this, There are many mansions in God's house because heaven is intended for various degrees of honor and blessedness. Some are designed to sit in higher places than others. Some are designed to be advanced to higher degrees of glory and honor than others are. And therefore, there are various mansions. He's talking symbolically, okay? I don't think we live in mansions. I don't even like mansions. He's not going to make me live in some place I don't like, right? Well, I'm sorry. I digress. And some more honorable mansions and seats in heaven than others. Though there are seats, all of them are exceedingly honoring and glorious and blessedness, yet some are more so than others. In other words, when we get to glory, we're going to have assignments based on how we serve Jesus here and now. I don't care. As long as I get there, I'll be happy. Guess what? John Wesley had a word for you. Of those who had happily finished their course, such multitudes are afterwards described, and still higher degrees of glory which they attain after a sharp fight and magnificent victory. There is an inconceivable variety in the degrees of reward in the other world. Let not any slothful one say, oops, did I say that? No, John Wesley said it, and I'm going to read it. Let not any slothful one say, if I get to heaven at all, I'll be content. Such a one may let heaven go altogether. In worldly, in fact, you may be letting him go altogether and not even realize it. In worldly things, men are ambitious to get as high as they can. Christians have a far more noble ambition. At least they should. Don't you? Anybody agree with that? All four of you agree with that. Christians have a far more noble ambition. The difference between the very highest and the lowest state in the world is nothing compared to the smallest difference between the degrees of glory. We have no idea what it's going to be like. It's going to be astounding. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm working on my IRA right now. And you should be too. I'm working on my eternal IRA. And real saints want to do that, and love to do it. That's why the scripture encourages those who think they're in, examine yourselves to see whether you are indeed in the faith. Whether self-interest or just pure love for Jesus, he'll honor you and he'll bless you for it. Isn't that awesome? Yes, pastor. That's the first time I've had to say that in months. I think it's awesome. Let me ask you a question, though. We talked about Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. I can put that up again. If we could put that last verse up one more time. 
that's coming. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Can I just ask you today, which resurrection is in your future? Is it the first resurrection or the second one that Jesus talked about? Because there's two. And you want to be sure that you're in the first resurrection, the ones who belong to Jesus and know that eternity is secured and all these promises we've been talking about apply to you. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to close this in prayer. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, as we dismiss our service. I try to make things as least embarrassing or awkward as possible because I know you're in a church if you're visiting and it's like, I don't know how they operate around here. I'm just going to tell you. If anything that I've spoken to you makes you wonder, I don't know which one I'm in. I don't know whether I've settled that question. I don't know if I'm ready to walk through the door called death and I'm part of the first resurrection. Well, Jesus is alive and paid for you so that you can know and you can know it today. Believe it or not, you don't have to have a mystical uh, experience. You don't have to have somebody lay hands on you and make you speak in another language or anything else. You can know today because God's word gives you the promise. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to close in prayer. And if you want to know for yourself, just wander out of the people who are greeting each other and talking and filter your way up here. And myself and a couple of staff will be up front happy to just give you information, not force you in anything, but just so you know how Jesus expects you to come and believe in him. Let's pray together. I see the sign, Easter, he is risen, and we do say it, Lord. He is risen indeed. Thank you that Jesus is alive. That song that we often sing in church history is, I serve a risen Savior. He is alive, and he is in the world today, and he's at work, and he's still bringing children into his family. He's still bringing people into that place of readiness for the first resurrection and to be co-heirs and joint rulers with him. And Lord, I pray for those of us who are in the family, if we've been shunning our responsibilities, that, Lord, you would deal with us and help us to obey. There's no other way. It's obedience. And if we are listening in and we don't know that we've ever wrestled with this issue, what's going to happen the minute I pass through this door called death? Then help them also by your spirit to obey and seek out the answer because it's not a secret. We're not the only ones that have this truth. Every true Bible-believing church knows that this is reality. Thank you, Jesus, for rescuing us. Thank you for the gathering of your people today. Put your favor and your blessing on these folks. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. amen and amen. We'll be up here if you want to talk with us. The rest of you have a great Easter weekend.